All right, Psalm 16, we're getting into that today. Let's go ahead and stand up together for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in Psalm 16, verse 5. It says this, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, that you love us and that you give us passages like this to let us know all that we have in you. And so, God, I pray as we just spend a few minutes in this passage that you would um, humble us and that you would enlighten us on what you're trying to communicate, that we would leave here making this passage say what you mean it to say, not what we want it to say. God, I pray that we would leave here changed, knowing more fully the glory that we await in you. God, in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. So this past week, uh, my wife Randy and I decided to uh, take uh, our daughter Lottie to the zoo. She's two and a half years old, and so it's a fun time to get to go to the zoo and go see all the different animals. She loved the rhino and the fishes for some reason. Uh, she called flamingos yellow, and so we're, we're still working on that. Uh, but one thing that we decided when we first went to the, the zoo is that we were going to get a membership to the zoo, right? Like, like we wanted to buy a year-long membership so that way we didn't have to buy tickets every time we went. And so we went up to the ticket gate and I said, hey, I want to buy a membership. And they said, you're going to have to go right over there. And they sent us to this nice air-conditioned room. So you go in the room and you're filling out forms because they're trying to figure out who you are and you, know, you got to pay for it and all that. And while we were waiting there, I was just looking on the walls at the different decor and stuff. And there was one poster hung on the wall and it said, um, like, uh, like, perks and benefits of a membership. And I'm like... There's benefits to the membership? I didn't know that. I thought the membership's purpose was just to get me into the park. Apparently, there's a whole list of things that, that you get along with the membership. And so, uh, like, you can um, get uh, discounts on the food. You can get discounts on certain tickets within the, uh, the park. You get special access to events. If you bring a guest with you, you get discounts on their tickets. So if you ever want to go to the zoo, come with me. We can get you $3 off. Uh, all these things come with the, the membership. Now, how many of y'all are cheapskates? Like my people, right? Uh, I am a cheapskate, and so my mind immediately starts processing, how can I fully use this membership to my benefit to get as much money sucked out of this company as I can? Um, and so we are, you know, plotting course throughout the thing to make sure that we're using the, uh, the thing right. Uh, in fact, we went to the zoo yesterday, and you have to buy a little ticket to ride the carousel. Which, by the way, don't take a two-year-old on a carousel. It's not fun. Uh, but uh, we had to buy a ticket. The ticket cost $4. And I was standing right next to Randy saying, did you give them the membership card? Because we get $1 off. I am $1 at a time going to recoup my membership fees. So anyways, the reason I tell that story 
is because in the same way that having a membership to the zoo allots me and my family certain perks and benefits, us being a child of God allots to us certain benefits in Christ. Because you are a child of God, if you are a child of God, you have a special access and benefits from God than you did before. Right? Like, um, like so for my kids, right? When my daughter was born, and when my son is going to be born, they immediately get full access to everything that I have. Which, as of this last week, is about two guitars and a membership to the zoo. But that's what they get. They get that. Your kids don't get that because they're not my kids. You can go buy your own kids a zoo membership, but that's, that's the inheritance that my kids get. That's the benefits that they get. And when you... Uh, have entered into a relationship with God, you get into that same sort of sphere. So that's the beauty of the gospel, is that we were once standing outside the family of God. We we were enslaved to our sin, doomed to hell, but God, in his uh, great kindness, calls out to us and invites us into the family of God. God, in his great kindness, um, like an orphan who gets adopted, comes to us and says, hey, you can be a child of me. And if you have responded to that call and placed your faith in Christ, you now have the identity of Christ and are considered a child of God. And that should affect the way that we process things. Like we think through things differently. We process decisions differently. We act differently because we're funneling our process through the fact that we're a child of God. And that's why we're going to land on Psalm 16 today. In Psalm 16, David opens up the psalm saying that, that, that he is for God. God is his God, and he finds his salvation in him. And uh, he uh, places his community of people with God's people, not the world. And what we're going to see is, because of that, the second half of Psalm 16 talks about how he's processing his life differently that he can process the world differently than the world because of the relationship that he has with God. And so what I want to do today is walk through that second half of Psalm 16. And hopefully we can all leave here today knowing more fully the benefits that we have in Christ. So that way we're not just here viewing God as a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? We're not viewing God as just something that we do on Sundays or something that we do because we grew up doing it or because we want our kids to be part of it. Like, if you're here for those reasons, like, welcome, we're glad that you're here, but I want you to know that there's just so much more to God than just those things. And we're going to dig into that today. All right, so we're going to talk about the benefits of Christ. Here we go, let's pick it back up. Psalm 16, uh, we're going to pick it back up in verse 5. It says this, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So here we see in the first couple of verses that David is using inheritance type language. He says like, like you are my portion. If you don't know, that's kind of a Bible word, but portion is kind of synonymous for inheritance. They would be used for like you give your portion of the inheritance to your kids. Like, so he says, you are my portion, my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines, think of that as like property lines. Like the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Now, you may be tempted to think at this point that he's talking about a physical inheritance, but that's not what he's talking about. Like, like if you look at the passage, it says, Lord, you are my portion, and you are my cup of blessing. 
Right? He's not saying, like, all these things you have given me is what I put my hope in. He's saying, like, you are what I have. And there's a lot of benefits that we can dig into because God is our portion. But the one that I want to land on uh, first this morning is that because God is our portion, we now have hope. We have the benefit of hope. There's lots of reasons for us to hope for the future. And it's not because we have things, like things break, like how many of you have two-year-olds? Things break a lot, right? Like it's not because we have trust in the economy, like the, the gas prices are going through the roof, like I'm not sure how y'all are paying for gas. Uh, it's not because we have retirement accounts, like one quick dip in the stock market and all that hope is quickly squelched in that. Like the reason that we have hope isn't because of anything in this world, it's because we have God himself. And that's what David is saying here. Like, because God is our portion, because you have a hope that he's doing a redemptive work in your life and in the world, we have hope in this world. And I want to push it a little bit further and say that because you have hope as a Christian, what that should produce in you is optimism. Like, we have tremendous reason to be optimistic in this life, right? Like, like, God is working in us. Like, we say God is enough for us. Like, he holds our future. Therefore, we should be optimistic about the future, right? That, that makes sense, right? I'll, I'll push you even further. I'll say that if you are a child of God, you should not only be optimistic, but you should be the most optimistic person that people know in your life. How many of you are like that? Okay, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't want to you should be the most optimistic person. Why? Because you have great reason to be optimistic. Like when we compare what we have to the world, we should be miles more optimistic in the world. The world has no hope, right? The world, they're just living for the day, right? We have hope. We have a future. We have God. Yet often, we don't look like people of optimism and hope. We look more like Eeyore, like, did y'all grow up watching uh, Winnie the Pooh growing up? Yeah. Like, Eeyore is like the depressed donkey, right? I didn't realize how depressed Eeyore actually was until I looked up a video of Eeyore quotes. And so let, let me just share it with you. Here, here's Eeyore. Good morning, Pooh Bear. If it is a good morning, which I doubt. However, yeah, now, did I get your tail back on properly, Eeyore? No matter. Most likely lose it again anyway. Poor dear. You know, I may have just the thing. Up, up, up you go. <laughs> there you are. It's an awful nice tail, Kanka. Much nicer than the rest of me. It's not much of a tail, but I'm sort of attached to it. Not much of a house. Just right for not much of a donkey. Might take a day or two, but I'll find a new one. End of the road. Nothing to do. And no hope of things getting better. Sounds like Saturday night at my house. to watch that as kids. <laughs> Good gracious. No wonder we're so depressed. All right, question for you. How many of you 
look and sound more like Eeyore than you do a redeemed child of God. Ooh, we just got weirdly silent. Serious thought. How, how much time do you spend acting more like Eeyore than you do a redeemed, redeemed child of God? Let me pose a thought to you that whenever you walk around not optimistic about life and the world, it presents great confusion to the world. Right? Like on one hand, we're declaring, hey, God is my portion. God is enough. He holds my future. He is the one I hope in. He's the one that's redeeming me. Yet on the other hand, like my life's falling apart because my car didn't start this morning. Or my life's falling apart because Starbucks, you know, give me two shots of mocha whatever instead of something else. Like, how, how much does your life fall apart and crumble when things don't go your way? And what that does is that presents great confusion to the world because the world is wondering, hey, I thought you said that God was enough. I thought you said that God is your joy. I thought you said that you were saved. Why are you, why are you so hopeless? No, we should have great hope in the world, and the world should be able to see that and then know that God is worthy of following. Even when everything else fades away, we should have our hopes set sure because God is our portion. David says this in Psalm 73, says this, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. He's saying that even though everything else may fall away, even though I may have a diagnosis that I'm not too happy about, even though my life is falling apart, God is my portion. God is the strength of my heart, and so I'm okay. Because God is our portion, we have hope, and because we have hope, we should have optimism. And because we have optimism, the world can see that God is enough and worthy of following. Let's keep going. Pick it back up in verse 7 of uh, chapter 16. He says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. So David starts to shift here. He, he was uh, talking like inheritance type language and now he's shifting into more language of turmoil, right? Like, like he's saying uh, that uh, the Lord counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. Some of your translations may put that when my heart instructs me. Some of your footnotes go a little bit further and, and they'll say, my kidneys instruct me. So what they believed is that the kidney was the like, innermost organ and that's where you felt the deepest. So like, you know, like when you get that feeling in the pit of your stomach, that uneasy feeling, that's what I was talking about here. It's like, even at night when I get that feeling in the pit of my stomach, the Lord counsels me, the Lord guides me because he's on my right hand, I will not be shaken. Whenever they say that, like the, the shaken language, it's usually revolving around like pending doom or pending death. And he's saying that, that I'm not going to be shaken in that. And so what David is communicating here is that in the midst of our turmoil, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our struggles, he still has peace. And that leads us to our second benefit in Christ is that we have peace. We have the benefit of peace. Peace should be a defining characteristic in your life. If you have the God of the universe, the God who is above all and knows all with you, shouldn't that bring you peace? Like, shouldn't that give you a sense of, like, everything's going to be okay? But a lot of us don't, right? Like, a lot of us don't have peace. And I don't think it's because God isn't able 
to handle our situation. God, it's not because God isn't able to handle our problems. It's because we're slowly pushing God away from our problems. And when we push God away from our problems, we're also pushing peace out of our life. And when peace goes out of your life, you're inviting in anxiety. When you push peace out of your life, you're inviting in anxiety. And it's funny because anxiety usually flares up in our life when we're um, trying to control things in which we have no control. So my daughter, uh, one of the things that we like to do with her is take her to Chick-fil-A. Uh, and we take her to the play place at Chick-fil-A. And ever since she was young, she would go play on the equipment. And you know there's, I don't know if y'all have seen them, uh, so there's like little steps that work their way up. And at the top of the play place is a big slide that goes down. So uh, when she was young, she would try to work her way up those steps. And, you know, each time we went, she would get like one step higher and one step higher. And when she was about two years old, uh, she made it all the way to the top. And me and Randy were both just watching her up there. And she would disappear to the slide and then reappear and then disappear and then reappear. And what we noticed was is that she really wanted to go down the slide, but she would get right up to the slide and then get nervous and then back up. And so what we wanted to do as parents is push her down the slide. So Randy went up, <laughs> like climbed up there with her and uh, positioned her like at the top of the slide. And then I crawled up in the slide so I can see her. So she's surrounded, right? Can't go anywhere. So she's sitting up the slide, and you can see it in her face that, that she wants to go down. And, and Randy's behind her saying, like, you can do it, baby, you can do it. And I'm sitting there at the bottom saying, like, I'm going to catch you, baby, you're good, you, you can go. And so she's kind of going back in her mind. She just sat there for probably a good three or four minutes, just sat there. And she would, like, get ready to go, and then stop because she got scared. And get ready to go. Well, eventually, gravity caught up with her, and she starts to slide down without her wanting to slide down. We, I swear we didn't touch her. Um, she starts to slide down. And I don't know if I can clearly communicate the look of terror on this little girl's face. Uh, she only knew about a couple dozen words at this time, and one of those words was help. She started screaming help. <laughs> and uh, she flailed herself around and tried to grab the top of the slide. Have you all ever seen the Christmas story where Ralphie is like sliding down? That's the look on her face. Okay, she's like this. She's too far gone, right? So she starts to slide down. Help, 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 slide down. And she slides down right into my arms and I catch her. And it's, it was you know, one of the sweetest moments ever. She turned around with the biggest grin on her face and Randy reminded me, she said, that's fun, <laughs> right? And she loves the slide now. It's, it's funny because the only thing that hindered her enjoyment of that slide was her fear of losing control going down the slide. But as whenever she realized that, that I was there to catch her, she's like, oh, everything's okay. And she can enjoy it. And I wonder, I wonder how much of the time that happens in our lives. That, that we are so consumed with trying to control every unknown in our life that we're pulling all of the peace and all of the enjoyment out of life and God is just telling us, hey, just relax. Just relax and go down the slide. I'm right here. If you can just learn to trust me, then you'll know I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I wonder how often that happens to us. David starts to communicate in this, this verse why he's able to have peace in the midst of his turmoil. And it tells us, if you pull back up the verse, I will bless the Lord who counsels me. So he gets counsel from God. 
when his thoughts trouble him. I always let the Lord guide me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Why is it that David is able to have peace? Because he knows that God of the universe is right next to him, as right hand. As long as he's got God next to him, he's good to go. Roxanne mentioned earlier, before the song Battle Belongs, that, that the battle's already been won. All we have to do is just be on the right side, right? All we have to do is just stand next to God, and we're ready to go. And that's what, that's what David is saying right here. Like, because he's got God next to him, we're good. So that's all we have to say, right? You want peace in your life? Just say this to God. God, I'm going to let you counsel me. I'm going to let you guide me. I'm going to let you, when, whenever I got you know, the, the feeling in the pit of my stomach and I just don't know what to do with myself, I'm going to lean on you, right? Because with you next to me, I'm not going to be shaken. With you next to me, I'm good to go. Come what may, I'm ready to go. And dare I say that if we were to take that, that approach and turn these things over to God, not only would we have more peace in our life, but dare I say that we might even enjoy life more. And that's what David says in the next verse. It says, because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Verse 9. Therefore, because of that, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely for you will not abandon me to Sheol, which, by the way, if you don't know, is, just means grave. You will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. Now, we're going to pin that last verse for a second. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. But what I want to point out is, because David is leaning on the counsel and the provision of God and the protection of God, not only is he peaceful, but his heart is glad and his whole being rejoices. He no longer has to worry. And so when we stop trying to control everything and allow God to guide us, we get the benefit of peace in that and the last benefit of Christ that I want to talk about today is the benefit of joy. We pick it back up in uh, verse 11. It says this, You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. And so now David is shifting into language of joy, right? So originally it was uh, language of uh, inheritance, like what God is giving to him. Then he switched into language of turmoil, like when things go on in my life, I'm going to lean on God. And now he's shifting into language of joy. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. Some of your translations say the fullness of joy, which I, I like that translation better. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Like, just think about that for a second. What does it mean? What does it even mean to have the fullness of joy in your life? Like, it means that you have 100% capacity, like your entire capacity to feel is joy. Right? And it's hard for us to even wrap our, our brain around that. Like living in a broken world full of sin and full of the effects of sin, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around a place in which there's fullness of joy and there's not sorrow, there's not conflict, there's not pain lurking around the corner to rip it away from us. We have a hard time imagining that. But alas, my job here today is to help you understand this. And so I'm going to give it my best shot. Have you all ever been to Texas Day Brazil? Right? Okay. Texas Day Brazil, let me explain it to you. You walk in, and they sit you down at their table, and they take your drink order just like a normal, uh, normal restaurant. Well, they explain to you after that point that, hey, you have this card sitting on your table, and on one side, the card is green, 
And on the other side, the card is red. If you have that card flipped to green, here's what's going to happen. There are going to be endless supplies of slabs of meat brought to your table, and they're going to saw that meat off onto your plate. You could sit there for hours on end, and they're just going to constantly be bringing you slabs of meat to cut off on your plate. Ladies, Father's Day is coming up next week. Take your fathers to Texas Day Brazil. They'll love it. If there's a place in which there is fullness of joy, it might be Texas Day Brazil, right? But even that falls short, right? Because then you have the pain of gluttony on you. Okay. So in all seriousness, what David is telling us is that there is a place in which there's not just a little bit of joy and not just a little bit of happiness. There is a place in which there is fullness of joy and eternal happiness. Like, like everything on this earth fails to compare to that. Like, like think of the most joyous time in your life and it's but a glimpse of what life is amongst God. And that's why Jesus, when he told the, the parable, he said, the kingdom of God is like this. There's a man who found a field and they found treasure in this field and went and sold everything he had to then go buy that field. Why? It's not because his life was awful. He probably had a great life. He probably had lots of stuff. But what he, when he sat down and compared what he has to what God has, he didn't even consider it worth comparing. And so he just sold it all off so he could be part of this. That's the kingdom of God. That's what God is inviting you into. He's saying, he's saying to you, that you are allowed, you have the opportunity to be part of the kingdom of God. You have the opportunity to be part of the family of God. And in this family, God is the path to life, the, the fullness of joy and eternal pleasures. And so what are you holding on to? It's a joke. Let it go. Now you may ask yourself, how in the world are we even able to partake in these benefits? Like how can we partake um, in God being our portion which leads to our hope? How can we have God by our side, which leads to peace? How can we dwell in the presence of God, which leads to the fullness of joy? Well, the answer is in the verse that we penned earlier. So verse 10, starting in verse 9, it says this, Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol, you will not allow your faithful one to see decay. Now, if you know Psalm 16 well, you know that this verse was quoted in the first sermon of the early church. Acts chapter 2, when Peter was preaching at Pentecost, he quotes this verse. And he says that when David wrote these words, he wasn't talking about himself. He was prophesying and foretelling Jesus. And he said that Jesus coming down on this earth and dying, he would not stay in the grave, but he would resurrect three days later. And because he resurrected three days later, we now have opportunity to be part of the family of God. We now have the opportunity for salvation. Jesus said in John 15, he says that when I leave, whenever I ascend, God is going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to, going to declare everything that is mine to you. Why can we have the benefits of God? Because we have the entire benefits of Christ, right? It's like Christ has the hope of God the Father in his life. So therefore, we have the hope of the Father in our life. Christ has the hope or the, the benefit of peace in his life with the Father. Therefore, we have it. Christ has the benefit of joy in his life with the Father. Therefore, we have it. God is calling us into the glory that is shared between him, uh, between the Trinity. 
God's inviting us into that. And so everything that is Jesus as the Son of God is ours as children of God. And here's what's happening. God is saying, here's how you access these benefits. You don't pay a price. You don't pay $126 to the Zoom membership. What you do is, you just trust me. You trust that I have your best interest in mind. You trust that Jesus' death on the cross was enough to cover your sin. You trust that, that his ways are higher than your ways. And with that comes all of the glory, all of the salvation, and all the benefits of being a child of God. Let me pray that we do that. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, that you love us enough to not leave us in our sin. But you're, you're calling us to a better life. You're calling us into your family. And Lord, I pray that we would heed that calling today. That there are joys in this life right now that bring a little bit of happiness, but in you, there's fullness of joy which brings eternal happiness. And so God, I pray that we wouldn't squelch the inheritance that you're offering us for a joke. God, there are different types of people in this room. Some of the people in this room are following you well. They love you. They're following your will. They're looking for how your will can be done in their life. I thank you for those people, God, and I pray that they're encouraged to keep going forward. But there are people in this room who, who know you, who have placed their faith in you, but it hasn't worked its way into their life. And they may just be viewing you as a get-out-of-hell-free card or viewing you as like something to play around with, but I pray, God, that today that you would convict them that there's so much more to you than that. God, that you are our portion, that you are our cup of blessing, and that in you, we have a beautiful inheritance. And so I pray that you convict people to come to you in that and to walk in your full glory in that. And then there's some people in this room, God, that, that don't know you at all. They've never trusted you. They've never, they've never given their life to you. And because of that, they're outside the family, God. They don't know what these benefits of hope and peace and joy are because they're not even part of who you are. For those people, God, I pray that you would give them a godly conviction that leads them to you. That they wouldn't be able to rest because they know that something is not right in their life. That they realize they have no hope and that they have no peace and they have no joy because they don't have you. And so God, I pray that you would call them to repentance today. We're going to move into a time of invitation. And in this time, we're just going to give you an opportunity to respond however God is calling you. That may be just sitting right where you are and praying repenting of sin in your life, repenting of how you haven't been looking to God for your hope and your optimism, how you haven't been, uh, maybe you haven't been the, the most uh, greatest witness to the people of the world because you've just been walking around depressed all the time. 
and not claiming and accessing the, the hope that you have in Christ. You may be a person who, who just hasn't placed your faith in Christ and you want to know more about that. You want to place your faith in Christ. This is the time for you. You can come up. We'd love to walk you through that. You may just want to come up here and pray at the altar. Whatever God is calling you to do, this is going to be the time for you to do that. Can we all stand up together?